And then also the incidental findings that were very interesting. One that was quite shocking, but then, you know, maybe something worth diving in and further research is that the younger professionals are more burned out than the older generations. Okay, episode three, let's do this. Welcome to the Ventry Business Success Show with me, Dr. Dave Nichol. Each episode, we'll be exploring ideas and subjects that can be used to manage your Ventry practice better. On today's episode, I'm joined by Dr. Ivan Zak. Ivan made his career as an ER vet in Canada, where over many years, he made two very important observations. The first, the vet clinics are unpredictable chaos machines. The second, he hated having a boss. Thus, the perfect conditions for innovation arose and the entrepreneur inside was born. Ivan's the founder of SmartFlow, a digital workflow organization software software which many of you will be familiar with and his latest venture called Veterinary Integration Solutions helps consolidators make sense of their data. Ivan has recently published a thesis where he's taken the skills he learned in software development and has applied them to the day-to-day operations of veterinary practices, outlining a strategy he believes may hold the key to reducing professional burnout. All right, so today I'm super happy to be joined by Dr. Ivan Zak. Ivan, conversation feels like we are long overdue in having, but you've popped up on the radar with a fascinating subject, which I believe comes from your dissertation for your MBA. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that the topic comes from personal experience and it ended up in my <laughs> dissertation. So, All right. So let's not keep everyone in suspense then. Tell us about the topic and then we'll dig into some of the learnings because I, I think this is one of the most relevant conversations we could be having right now. Yep. Thank you for having me. Uh, it does feel like uh, well overdue. I appreciate you inviting me here. The topic of the dissertation that I picked was a, about applying uh, lean methodology to improve experience of veterinary professionals, specifically related to consolidation. But the reason why I said that the topic was dear to me is that I've gone through various phases in my veterinary career as a veterinarian, and then looking at it from the industry uh, while at SmartFlow as well as IDEX. And I realized that there's different reasons and multiple reasons to burn out. So I wanted to focus on just uh, in the research piece of dissertation, I wanted to focus on establishing where are we at and then finding out are there any specifics to the burnout that we can find out from uh, a survey And then as a sort of hypothesis, because it was just masters, uh, there was no uh, needed experiment. It was just like hypothesis that I was trying to prove is that are there management methodologies to get this issue under control, which I picked lean as a sort of uh, research topic. So, So it's really applying lean as it was in human healthcare to veterinary profession to combat the issue of burnout. Okay, so there's a number of things we could dive into there. And I think in reverse order, perhaps we'll come to lean as a concept and what it means, because it might be one of those things that you are steeped in, you know, many different hats of from software development to working in practice and, and beyond that. I think that would be a, a term that is one of those terms that people might have heard, but probably don't necessarily fully appreciate. So we might dig into that in a second, but let's stick with the burnout first of all. And what did you learn from your work, you know, from the survey work that you did on burnout? What were the most salient insights? And tell us a bit more about the, the survey. Like how many, how many people were you able to get recruited into this? Yeah. So I tried to, the first thing I was trying to, to get to is establish, are we burned out or not? 
I mean, everybody's talking about it. There's right. you know, the suicide rates are high, but but scientifically, are we or are we not? And that was sort of my starting point, which it's proven to be the result. We are taking a step back. I was trying to collect a thousand, and I just picked a number and I pushed it anonymously, so we don't know who responded. Uh, but yeah. we did ask what uh, representation in the clinic you you are. So, are you a technician or a nurse? Are you a veterinarian? Are you in the corporate or private practice? And then uh, there's a couple more specific questions about uh, who you are in the in the practice setting. And I think that was a new angle that was sort of incidental, but then interesting finding there as well. And I was trying to find uh, to solicit thousand respondents, and and we actually got close to fifteen hundred, which was phenomenal. And I and I right. truly appreciate how everybody jumped on it. Can I back you up just one second and go, in terms of burnouts, like what was the definition you were using of burnout? You know, you, you said like you're trying to find out if we are burned out and it turns out we are. How did you arrive at that analysis? So what I used, I, I definitely not smart enough to invent something myself. Uh, <laughs> so I, I found out from the human health what was used in the past to assess uh, job satisfaction and professional fulfillment. And actually, this is the uh, the tool that was used uh, and developed in Stanford for assessing uh, human healthcare uh, practitioners. And uh, so professional fulfillment index, and it consists of 16 questions. And there's three sort of sections within it. There's one focused on um, empathy or empathetic attitude towards your patients, one on the uh, satisfaction with your job. Anyway, so... <laughs> The professional fulfillment index was as the tool chosen okay. for this. And what were their hallmarks of burnout that you know were the things that show up most? Or it sounds like there was with those sixteen questions, it was going to be spread over a range of places that sound like you know <laughs> maybe if you no longer care or feel like you care about your patients, is a good sign that you're getting burned out. But were there hallmarks that showed up that were perhaps specific to veterinary? Well, what was very interesting is that it proven that uh, veterinarians care, like they really like their jobs and they're empathetic towards patients and the owners of the pets, uh, but they're truly tired and feel that they don't have control over what they do. And they're, they're dissatisfied with their job, despite being empathetic to the field. It kind of goes along with what I thought, but again, this index allows us to assess that that's do like their job and the technicians. It's just, it's really hard to do and be appreciated. Mm. And that's sort of my experience through being an emergency veterinarian. I definitely felt in that place, but I thought it was only emergency medicine because nobody wants to see you. Everybody hates you and everybody thinks you do it for money. And that was my feeling and the reasons to burn out for me because I did, I, I burned out. I needed to see professional help. But it turns out that in all uh, settings, it's the same. We just can't handle the the pressure that comes with a job. All right. Sorry, I've, I've sidetracked you there a little bit. So feel free to kind of jump back on with the the actual findings of the survey. So you, no, you've, all good. I mean, it's fascinating just to dig into this a little bit more because it is one of those terms, you know, probably along with compassion fatigue that people use a lot and feels like if we had clearer definitions around these things, once we have more clarity, we have more opportunity to work out solutions, which is why I'm so drawn to this work you've done. So shine the light then. So you, you've gotten quite a range, 1,500 people responding, a variety, a cross-section that will have allowed you through technicians or nurses as well as uh, veterinarians. What were the 
takeaways that you derive from that? And also a, perhaps a part B is what showed up that you weren't expecting, if anything? Yeah. So what was surprising to me is that, so we did, we did realize that the industry is burned out. So it showed that more of the respondents were burned out rather than not. Wait, so more people were burned out taking the survey than not? Like, as yeah. in mo- there's, there's more people who are currently burned out being the supposition for yeah. that in clinical yeah. practice right now than not. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and so the, the majority. And then also the incidental findings that were very interesting. But one that was quite shocking, but then, you know, maybe something worth diving in in further research is that the younger professionals are more burned out than the older generations. That was interesting to me because the baby boomers, which is sort of that uh, around 60 age, uh, they are more comfortable. And then those that are under 30 or around that age, they are more burned out. I, I didn't expect to find that. And I think that's an interesting area of opportunity to look further into it. There's sort of hypotheses that I have to follow and maybe to research that uh, potentially it's how we consume information. How do we perceive yeah. our professions these days and how these generations, you know, um, X, Z's, Y's, uh, I don't remember all of them, but how they now perceive the what used to be a lifelong career, if you will, like a lawyer and a doctor and veterinarian, you know, like James right. Harry type thing that, you know, you once you graduate, you're it, and then you will die as a veterinarian despite your practice or not. But I don't think that people take our profession that way. And just in general, you know, they're talking about millennials and I think I'm, I'm close or a millennial, but certainly I couldn't handle it more than 10 years and burned out a couple of times along the way and had to get out of that black hole. So I think that maybe it's something in there. I'm not really sure because there was not the purpose of the research, but I think there's something to do with how we perceive these professions these days. I'm, I'm not sure if that's the exact reason. Mm, okay. And you also found that technicians were more burned out than veterinarians. Yeah, that was another incidental finding. And I'm really happy that we stumbled upon that because through my whole veterinary career, I always admired technicians because I've done a lot of locum work or relief work, as they call it. And um, I enjoyed that uh, type of practice because I don't have to stick around the hospitals I don't like. I can pick those that I do like, the environments, the flexibility of it. Uh, there's certain risk associated with it, but then you can gauge your you know, schedule and you can understand what you want to do, which I think is a great option for you know these younger generation veterinarians, maybe as one of these items that they could apply to their burnout. But every facility where I went into, the technicians or the nurses are the ones that, uh, the main engine, they do the work. I always say that we just have the license to sign under technicians' work. That's, and, and I may be kicked out of my current licensing somewhere for saying that, but, <laughs> but I, I truly think that's, that's the thing. And then, you know, I working in so many relief positions where you would come in and then they're, you know, new anesthetic protocols and they use different medications in different settings. And I always said, look, guys, you do what you do and I'll just, you know, help you do what you do well. And that was my position all the time. But so they're truly doing the work. And I felt like all the attention was always on the vets. And I, maybe that's because it's prominent. That's because we find out that there's more vets in this, you know, suicide. I don't know those numbers, how they compare the technicians to veterinarians. But shining the light on the fact that technicians are burned out more than the vets, 
hopefully it will help us to focus on how happy they are, not only on the vets. And that's, I think that's an important finding. Did your research go beyond the numbers into, you know, you've articulated that some of the generational divide things you think, but were there things, common threads as to why we are burning out quite the way that we are? I, no. I'm still kind of feeling a little blown away by the, you know, by the imbalance between non-burned out and burned out. Yeah. And I almost want to ask the reverse of the question is like the people who are not burned out, what are they doing differently? How are they experiencing? Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's Did you study dig into them. anything like that? No, but one thing that I think that I should call out here is that I did do it in June of 2020. And, uh, and I, I wonder if, you know, June of 2020 is vastly different. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. I'm sure it is. But but you know, I'm not convinced that it would be worse. We we did do actually additional survey among technicians on the anesthesia nerd group, uh, which was again phenomenal response there, and I really appreciate it there. And we asked them about how do you think that COVID is harder uh, times than not, and they said absolutely. And and I you know I can see this. Yeah. But from another perspective, from the professional fulfillment, uh, you know, I wonder if this is a true statement overall, that if you would apply exactly the same tool, the professional fulfillment index, because maybe the day-to-day routine that was burning out people changed to an essential care provider during pandemic time brings more satisfaction to you. And I don't know that. So I don't know if, if the findings that I stumbled upon are relevant and I can't flex them either way without doing a further research in a non-COVID time if such a thing will will happen. <laughs> or we're, oh, this is it. We're just in COVID era. Today's show is brought to you by Vetex International. Now, are people the major pain point in your practice? If so, you're not alone. Over 90% of managers report staff problems to be their number one issue. At the root of this problem are usually three dysfunctions. A poorly articulated vision, toxic culture, or some form of leadership breakdown. If this sounds familiar, then do not despair. Help is at hand. I encourage you to check out Leaders, a veterinary-specific leadership training program where you will learn how to create and execute on a shared vision, how to hire well, and build a powerful, high-performance practice culture without all the drama. The class is accredited, delivered online, and open for applications now. To learn more, listen to a free training webinar, or apply, visit vetexinternational.com forward slash leaders. Okay, welcome back to the show. I hope you enjoyed part one. Let's get into some more meaty content to help you grow your practice in part two. So the next part of your research then was the hypothesizing the implementation of a tool that you think that can be useful in addressing this, this which sounds like is every bit of indeed more prevalent this is a pandemic in veterinary medicine, isn't it, of burnout. So lean thinking, let's start there. Before we talk about how we might apply that tool, could you explain to us what lean thinking really is and where did it come from? Yeah, so the reason why I started paying attention to lean as it is, is in my previous project, the uh, SmartFlow, 
And so that was a workflow optimization tool for uh, veterinary practices. And I gained, and the other side of my experience with the veterinarians was within that project. And for eight years, I, I was lucky to experience 600 hospitals that we got as our customers transformation into improving processes. And that's another passion of mine, just optimizing processes around the hospital and, and around my personal life, and which my wife hates because she says that I'm like a robot. But I, I just strive to, you know. I should uh, paint, paint a little picture here as well, Ivan, just for a little <laughs> second. Now, uh, this is the first time we've, we've kind of been on a, a video call together. And during COVID, you get to see the background of a lot of people's homes. Yeah. And yours is like this spotless environment. Like I'm not seeing it like it's. I've seen dirtier operating theaters <laughs> than your office, right? Like everything is just polished. Let's go back to this. So, so process improvement that, you know, you're the software world. Tell us more about it. Keep going. Sorry, forgive so, my, my silly interruption. No, 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 no. That's probably a good observation. That's why. And my wife is not allowed in this room. That's my cave. <laughs> so, so hopefully she's not listening to this podcast when it's out. <laughs> so I was fascinated with the process improvement, and then and then as a lot of uh, things that I you know think I came up with, you find out that they were invented before you, uh, which is again with the sort of principles that I was trying to follow with SmartFlow is really optimizing the processes, eliminating the waste and the steps along the way. You know, I was visiting hospitals; I was timing the processes, and it turned out that lean is one of those things that people applied in the past. And you're in in the UK right now, and Lean was actually, so originally, Lean came from uh, Toyota. And then they really improved their process. And then, you know, some things were also, you know, Henry Ford was using some things there. And then, then Taiichi Ono was in Toyota. So it's a, it's a world-known optimization system. And there's certain principles behind it. But, but it left a bad taste in certain areas and, and certainly did in NHS in UK. So your healthcare system. It was widely applied to the healthcare system, but it was received as firing everybody and turning the you know the nuts and and creating a rigid process. And maybe it was implemented that way. But I was fascinated with the process, and I thought, why it was not applied? So I started looking at this in the human healthcare, and I stumble upon a lot of work by John Tusson. And uh, he's a doctor, John Tusson. He's an MD, and he's an internal medicine. A specialist who then was a CEO of Wisconsin Healthcare System, and uh, he applied lean, and he applied lean in his organization, and it was good for a couple of years, but then again, it kind of went back and it didn't stick. So he created a different term that is a lean thinking. It's not applying lean methodology; it's the thinking process. It's the scientific discovery where you empower people to improve processes. You don't improve processes and come in and say, hey, I'm going to change this process for you people. You go, how do you think you could improve your work? And then when they create their own processes, then it sticks. So he actually applied it across US. And then there's multiple hospitals that participate. He started in 2008. And then uh, the organization that he does it with uh, called Catalysis, you can, you can find it on our internet. And and I was fascinated with what the guy did. He transformed the healthcare system using lean thinking and some principles, which I can go over, to empower people to improve their experience working. So that's why I thought, can we take that from healthcare and apply it to veterinary medicine, as we do with many things? Mm -hmm. And I bumped into a very simple block 
where I realized we can't because anytime you go into a healthcare setting, you usually see an organization with thousands of people, even if it's one hospital, where there is a structure, there is several levels of management, there's processes, there's a big organization where you can apply something and do it at scale. And then usually when you deal with a veterinary hospital, it's one hospital. If you try to change this methodology or apply this methodology to one hospital, it'll be really hard to scale that because it's every time it's a new culture, new core values, if they're even set, new mission, new vision, new everything. So that's where I bumped into it. I said, it's it's not possible. And then what was interesting discovery along the way is that I thought while I was exposed through SmartFlow and through IDEX uh, in my long nine months in there, I realized that now we have this consolidation that everybody thinks is the evil. A lot of people (laughs) think it's the evil. And I thought, but that is how you can take multiple hospitals under one umbrella and apply something at scale. So that's where I took lean and lean principles and and hypothesized, can we apply it to consolidation? So a couple of questions off of that. Is it therefore something that is really only worth pursuing if you are a larger organization? Or is this something that somebody who's got three doctors, there's still value in there? And then I was keen to get into some of those principles that you mentioned. And interesting to take it from being a very heavily systematized thing to more of a problem-solving thing with the lean thinking change or twist I guess, the flavoring. So let me toss those two questions at you. Sure. So the level of the hospital, I think there there are things you can apply. And Dr. Chip Ponsford, he wrote a book about application of lean at the hospital level. I think he did a great job. I think he took all the principles of lean, translated them into a veterinary environment and did it in a, in a neat way of talking about the hospital as an organism with different systems in it. So anybody is fascinated with that stuff or will be curious after this this the book that i recommend i think it is available on amazon he was selling it awfully cheap hopefully he'll raise the price and we can support him because he did a lot of good work there and i referenced it in my dissertation you can do that and it's a lot about illumination of waste it's improving the processes and you can do it at a level of one hospital but i think that taking an angle of lean thinking and principles would probably be a better yield so i'm going to go over those the way they converted it in healthcare is basically talking about lean from the angle of... So the first one is using lean as a continuous improvement culture. So you're establishing the culture where everything you do needs to seek for improvement. So if you're doing something redundant, don't be afraid to voice that. So I, I remember distinctly one very respectful hospital. I was actually clocking the time on the processes uh, while in SmartFlow. They had a process, this is this is the example, where the receptionist was printing out a sheet of paper to just show it to the pet owner and put it in a shredder. That was her process. She was doing that at like 60 times a day. And then because those are the steps that she was, you know, described to do. So, and she never questioned, isn't that kind of stupid? Or, you know, could that be different? Can I show it on the screen? Not, you know, waste. But anyway, things like that. So... So the culture of that continuous improvement, that's one principle. What was that piece of paper? Was that like a consent form or something? I don't like remember. It it was, well, consent you need to sign, but that was like, maybe it was, it was like an estimate or something. I don't yep. remember. It was just, it was yep. just silly. 
so then the second one is don't, you know, lean again, people think it's a waste elimination, but think of lean as value creation tool. So you're creating additional value for organization you work for, for, you know, for pets, for the pet owners, but it's think of this new thinking as, as a value creation tool. Then another one that's really important, and, and I followed this in several organizations that I've built, is a foster unity of purpose. So understand what the purpose is and understand and then unite people around the purpose. If you don't have the why, and you know there's multiple books, and Simon Sinek is one of my favorite on this, and starting with why. If you don't have the why, and the why is because you have to, that's not a why for me. You can't hold me you know, for 30 minutes anywhere with that why. So you really need to to have the unity of purpose. And I think that, again, the consolidation has a bigger opportunity here because they can create the vision, the mission, and the core values supporting that where all the hospitals that get into the system could be united around that vision. But it has to be very well articulated, translated, and measured, which is rarely done. And then the, the fourth one is the one that I actually put more emphasis on than the others is respect for people. And it's respect for people that do actual work. So we visited with my co-founder of current gig, uh, the veterinary integration solutions, Bill Griffin. We visited several hospitals in U.S. and uh, in San Francisco General Hospital. The CEO goes and uh, has a scheduled walk around the hospital and sees where people do actual work. She doesn't sit in her office and thinks that the work is happening. So they call it Gemba. Uh, is basically walking and seeing how people perform the work that they do. And that's, that's an important thing, but it's not actually just seeing, but also respecting people that do the work and collect feedback from them. There was an interesting story about continuous improvement and, you know, people that do actual work. It wasn't, I think it was in Boston General Hospital where they had a sign in the emergency room, don't void before seeing a doctor. I think she was Spanish, her background was. And then people would always go and, and pee before seeing a doctor. And then and then it, nobody was understanding. They were like, well, it's, the sign is there. Don't void before you see a doctor. And then she was the one that pointed out and she said, not everybody knows what void means. Can you just change the sign? I was to going ask, I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> like take a dump or do you yeah, exactly. mean like leave the hospital? I was... Exactly. So they listened to her. They empowered her. That was her own sign. And she put the sign, don't pee before. And all the samples were collected. So that's, you know, silly, but interesting example of empowering the person who works and listening to her. And that's what I think we're missing a lot, especially in the change of ownership. When these hospitals are acquired, people that work in them are lost in transition and the importance of those people. And that's why we lose them. And and I mean, losing the even in a good way when they just don't want to work for you anymore. And in the worst case scenario, you lose them through, you know, suicide and other things. So the fifth principle is uh, visual representation of results, which is super, super important is if you have any sort of processes that you kick in, you need to see and measure what are the results of them. And my favorite, you know, analogy there is that you ask a veterinarian, you know, how much was your ultrasound? Or how much was your laser? They'll tell you to the penny because they, they bargain for that thing. And then they're paying lease on it. But if you ask them what was the last quarter that you made money, how much money you made last quarter on this particular tool that you bought, they wouldn't know. So how are you measuring the success? And and so what comes from the lean startup culture by uh, Eric Rice, his book, that was the actually the second book I read when I started SmartFlow, a phenomenal book as well, also could be applied to the level of the hospital, is the culture of build, measure, learn. If you build something, if you buy something, if you're applying a new process, if you're hiring a new person that you haven't had, 
measure the result and then learn from it and then continuously improve on that. So build, measure, learn, build, measure, learn. That's a continuous improvement cycle of lean methodology. But the visual representation, if you're doing something, show to your, make metrics, show them in the staff room, show them everywhere where people that do the work know that what they're doing is improving something, make it available. And that's super important. And that's what we're trying to expose through the new project is actually making a visual representation of what you do improves the overall organizational culture and success. And the sixth principle is the last one. Sorry, I'm kind of probably going too much on it. No, no, love it is the flexibility. Uh, so basically, it's not a rigid, you stand here, go there, turn around. It's the flexibility of methodology going sort of back to this continuous improvement culture is that if you don't think that something is working, stop printing that one piece of paper. Okay. So let's dot the I's and cross the T's here and pull it back and go, okay, so those six principles, super useful, frankly, just if you had shown up and talked about that, but framed around the issue of burnout and bearing in mind that people have a limited amount of time, how do you see these managing down the burnout specifically applied? Where should people start? So again, my hypothesis was, well, two. Luckily, I picked two and I've proven one of them and one not so much. So my hypothesis was that uh, one, that we are burned out. The two is that we are more burned out in the corporate settings than the private. And that was the third finding, which didn't prove my hypothesis. It was very little difference on the side of corporate, but there was no huge statistically relevant difference between the private and consolidation to say consolidation sucks and everybody's burned out there. So we can't say that. And it's interesting because, you know, I thought, okay, well, I'll define the problem. I'll find the problem. I'll fix it. And then at the end of the survey, I was like, oh, shit, I didn't, you know, I didn't prove my problems. (laughs) But then when I thought more about it, I thought, okay, well, we're still burned out. So can we then use the power of consolidation and the overarching management structure over multiple hospitals to implement something at scale rather than at one hospital level? So if I'll go, you know, this all may sound amazing what i'm talking about right now these principles it sounds just great but someone will listen to it and it's gone there's no methodology behind and if you develop a methodology and try apply it to each individual hospital you have to have a tremendous buy-in from the owner of the hospital and then go on the journey with you and then you know they don't think that anybody's burned out i can't see it being applied at scale but if you see a consolidator who would focus on the satisfaction of people that work for them and the experience they are going through while they're acquiring the hospital, which is the most dangerous time to lose people, and then they focus on the experience before, during, and after, then I think there is application at scale through consolidation. So that's my hypothesis, how you could apply to tackle the burnout. And I think to prove that that's possible would be applying it in one or two or three organizations and doing the survey again. So that's right. It's not that it's not applicable to the individuals, but to get this happening in a big way that would actually impact the level of burnout in the profession, it would have to be done through scale. So I I see where you're coming from there completely, which actually I, I like as a point for two reasons. One, it stands on its own as a very good point. And certainly here in the UK, we are somewhere north of, of sort of 60. 65% 65% yep. ownership and tipped to go anywhere from 70 to 80% yep. over a relatively short space of time. And there's a reasonable bet that 
the US probably won't go quite as far as that, but will go significantly further than it is. So the trend is happening across all of you know the certainly the countries I've been active in. So there's a there's a strong message there, but there's also the message the, these principles you've outlined: the constant improvement, the value creation through reduction, the unity of purpose, the respecting for people, and looking for feedback, the visualization of the data and the flexibility are all principles that apply regardless. So for anybody in leadership, there's an opportunity there. I want to wind up on, and perhaps just let's wind up on slightly more geeky, your current baby, for again, for, for want of a better phrase, with vet integrations, you're doing something that I'm very drawn to, and that is you're making data into something meaningful, but also pretty to a visual thinker like me. That's very attractive. And it, it you know it fits into the, I think the fifth point you know it's the visualization of these results. How important is that? And because that's really a form of feedback. How yeah. important is that that we get that information to teams? And we don't have time to dig into this right now. But what would be some of them? I mean, I, I'm guessing it's very relevant. It would depend on what job you're working with. But the podcast we're on just now is more aimed at the, the practice owners, the business owners. Mm-hmm. What um, numbers should they be looking at from uh, you know to to create from a, a data visualization point of view? Well, I, I think at the high level, what what we focus on again, we focused on consolidation because it looks like that they measure only money, mm-hmm. and that's what for the most part all businesses do focus on because it's relevant. And I think that at every level of development and whatever you do, you should be measuring the success in the monetary sort of angle. But if you want to get to any area where it's sustainable, long-term business, especially with a consolidation that's 60 plus percent in, in Europe, as well as going there potentially in US, if you don't focus on people, then you're going to lose people. And the scarcity these days are the veterinarians, the veterinary staff and people. So if part of your agenda is a consolidator, we care about people, which a lot of them say, but not many do. Show me the metrics. Show me how you measure success and experience of your people and their satisfaction before, during, and after. So that's what we're trying to highlight. And it's not necessarily on people, but it's if you said, I'll, I'll do well this, this, and that, marketing, talent acquisition, and I don't know, inventory, then you should measure that. And that's really simple. What you say you do, you measure you do, so you show you did it. That's kind of the bottom line of it. I love it. Ivan, we could talk, I suspect, for, for a very long time, and we should certainly do so over a, over a glass of wine or a beer or a coffee or something along those lines. Where can people get in touch with you? Where do you prefer people to, to reach out to have further conversations with you about this? We're, we're going to link the books up in show notes. We'll also link to, to you guys, but give us the audio version. Yeah, sure. Uh, so if you want to learn more about the actual survey, we're deploying results right now. They're coming out through all uh, social media channels, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook. And you have them on your website as well. Hey? Yeah, our website. So vetintegrations.com. You go to the footer and there's a, there's a section on burnout. Uh, and you can reach out to me personally uh, on, uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, and if anybody wants uh, 98 pages of the night read <laughs> of dissertation, <laughs> then I'm happy to share it. There's interesting stuff about is that, is that the booby prize? Is yeah, that- I don't, <laughs> yeah, but if anybody's interested to learn on consolidation and how lean was applied in healthcare, I mean, it's it's an interesting read. 
but 98 pages is too too much. So uh, the snippets of it are coming through social media, but definitely yeah, vetintegrations.com. Uh, on the footer, you can learn more about the burnout and then LinkedIn, uh, Ivan's at Karen Koff. If you can spell that, then we can connect. We'll definitely do a link. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Ivan, thank you so much for your time, sir. Uh, fascinating fascinating hearing from you really glad we got this time to connect and i look forward to doing it again soon so that wraps up today's episode of the veterinary business success show i hope you enjoyed it and if you did it would be most appreciated if you would leave a review on itunes and tell your friends in veterinary medicine all about us until next time from all of us here at vetx international be safe be well and be happy (laughs) 